folks, if you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Welcome to Manage Tools. Today's topic, delegation. And folks, before we go on, just a quick note. Mark and I decided recently to re-record some of our basics casts. So these delegation casts, and there's going to be two parts, is a re-recording incorporating some of our learnings over the past several years. And, you know, just like you, we continue to learn, and we wanted you to enjoy those learnings as well. So here we go with part one of delegation. I think this is one of those topics that a lot of managers and frankly, executives, I mean, one could argue that this particular topic is one of those things that until you master, you will not be an executive or at least not an effective executive. Oh, totally. Huge problem. And that topic is delegation. We've talked about this in the past, but we're going to do this in a new way and and hopefully provide new insights to folks. Right. So how are we going to approach this today, Mark? So we want to take it in two parts. We want to get to the delegation model, which we've tightened up a little bit. But first, we want to do a re-delivery of our famous cast, The Juggling Koan. But we want to do it the way we do it at a conference, for those of you who can't make the conferences, and really walk through the model of what do you do when you're given too much to do. We want to create a scenario to help managers see that delegation really is the answer. And part, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to create a scenario and then we're going to show you the possible solutions. And then we're going to show you why every solution but one is not the right answer. And this is an aha moment at the conference for a lot of people. And you and I have talked before about the fact that the juggling go on. That cast, which was so popular, was us putting this question to people and then them trying to answer it and us telling them why their answers were wrong. <laughs> and that's always fun. That's um, always fun. Yeah, Just that's, that's we'll make always fun. Of you. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so look, so let's do this. We want to talk about the first part of this then is why delegation is the solution. And we're going to create an abstract scenario for you. And we know the scenario is not completely accurate because by definition it's abstract. And yet, I don't think there's anybody in the audience who would say, oh, yeah, that's not that's not me. The fundamental premise that starts with that starts the scenario off is you are busy and everybody goes, "Okay, well, that that is me. That part's me. And by the way, there'll be pictures on the website. If you're listening to this, the pictures on the website will already be up to help you visualize. And if you want to look at those before you start listening, you can. We'll do our best to describe the abstract model we've got. But what we want to do is we want you to picture an orange sided box. Okay. And in that box, we're going to say that you have 20 balls in that box. And that box represents the limits of your productivity and the balls represent your responsibilities, the the significant tasks, not, not individual tasks, but rather the responsibilities you have in your job. 
Now, let's talk about the box first. And I'm picturing something like a shoebox, guys, just so you know, viewed from the side. So it's longer on the bottom and shorter on the sides, uh, roughly the dimensions of a shoebox. And it's an orange box as we draw it. And the box is inflexible, okay? It's not changeable. And the box represents your ability to be productive at work. And, and we're going we're gonna to measure that by time. And we're going to say the box holds a certain number of hours a week. And we're going to be generous and say that everybody who's listening to this cast works 60 hours a week. It would work if you worked 40, but nevertheless, we're going to say the box is rigid because what we don't want is to tell you the box has 40 hours worth of work available in it, right? That's, that's how much work potential the box holds. And then have you say, well, if I get more to do, I'll just make the box bigger. We're going to add to our abstract environment here that you have a family at home. And the hours you work are inflexible. Now, we could spend hours talking about that alone, but this goes back to the fundamental, one of the fundamental principles of manager tools and career tools, which is more time at the office is not the answer, guys. Uh, we're going to say you have a spouse and kids at home. And the reason we say it's 60 hours is because you can't work much more than 60 hours. And frankly, most of you don't work 60 hours, even though you say you do, but that's a separate conversation. So the box is inflexible because if you get in the habit of always making your box bigger when you get more to do, pretty soon your work and family lives are going to crush one another. And it's not effective because in fact, family comes first. The solution to work family balance, guys, is no balance. Trying to do a work family balance is like, as I said to somebody the other day, is like trying to balance the sun and a walnut, Okay. The sun is your family. It's a lot more important than the walnut. And so you ought to be putting your family first, and that means going home. And when you go home, if you force yourself to go home, you'll discover you can be much more efficient and effective in those last few hours of the day rather than saying to yourself, well, I didn't get the stuff I wanted done today, but I'll wait till the end of the day, and then I'll stay, and I'll call my spouse and tell him or her I'll be home in a couple hours. And then suddenly – Nothing's going well. You're inefficient at work and you're being ineffective at home because you're stealing time from your spouse and kids. Okay, so the box represents 60 hours worth of potential work, okay? And again, it's rigid. You can't add more hours. So that's not going to be a solution when we give you too much to do here in just a minute in our scenario. The second thing is we've got 20 balls in that box, okay? They're balls. They're round. They're not square. Now, if you look at the picture on the web, you'll see that round balls don't fit perfectly into all the square corners of a box. And you might say, well, Mark, it looks like I have some white space in my box. And again, the, ball, the balls are just jumbled around in the box. And I would say, you're absolutely right. You do have white space. And I would say, that's normal because you have to go to the bathroom while you're at work. You have to go to lunch, which is not productive time. You have to check Facebook, apparently, according to everybody I see. Apparently. You have to send text messages to your friend. You have to go check hot clicks on Sports Illustrated. You have to go to LinkedIn, and you have to go to MySpace, and I don't all kinds of things. And you have to go watch YouTube videos. And again, you're a human being. You're a biological creature. So again, bathroom and lunch and so on. And really... If you think you're more than 75% efficient, you're probably smoking crack. 75% is highly efficient. You waste hours every day. And it's not wasteful. It's just the nature of the fact that we can't keep focused on our work the way we might like. Okay. So that creates the scenario with the box and some of the white space in the box. And there's no way you can rearrange these balls in the box so you can get more balls in. And further, 
we're going to say that some balls are more important than others. And they are. Obviously, you know that. There are some things that you are probably willing to get in trouble for and some things you're not that are more important. We represent that by the size of the balls in the box. And we're going to say of the 20 balls that we've put in this box, five of them are big and 15 of them are small. Now, to be clear, we're going to give you credit, which is never accurate. It's not even accurate for me, I don't think, that the size of the balls in the box are literally precisely right for the importance of the task. In other words, you have done the right managerial and or executive analysis, and you spend the appropriate amount of time on the things that are most important for the organization. This is never true, as I've told many of you. <laughs> unfortunately. It's never true. People, unfortunately, they straggle after ripe blackberries, and managers spend time on the things they like rather than on the things they ought to be doing that deliver the most value for the organization. And sometimes the thing that's most valuable is the hardest, and we spend less time on that because we don't like it very much. But regardless, we're going to assume that you've done a good analysis, and five-year balls are the biggest ones, and those are the ones that you get in the most trouble for. Mike and I, when we were in the Army, we used to talk about juggling balls. You know, I've got a lot of balls to juggle today, and we would often joke that the balls were all equal in size, different way to abstractly represent your responsibilities, but the balls that were in this analogy we're talking about today, the biggest, they were glass. So if you were juggling balls, you wouldn't want to drop the glass ones because they would break. Whereas if you drop one of the smaller ones in this analogy or in the army analogy, the rubber ones, they wouldn't break. You drop them and you know you could pick them back up in a minute. So think of the big balls, if you will, as glass because you spend a lot of time on them. And if you mess up on the big balls, you get in trouble. If you mess up on the small balls, you're probably not going to get in trouble. But in this abstract analogy, we're using size of the balls indicates their importance. And because they take up space in the box, it means the amount of hours you spend on them. And you spend more time on the big tasks than you do on, on the big balls than you do on your little responsibilities. A couple other minor caveats to set the stage here. The small balls are not trivial. Okay, We're not talking about submitting your expense report. Okay, We're talking about responsibilities of your job. Now, you might say, well, Mark, I don't think I have 20 responsibilities. Guys, that's fine. We're just making this abstract. Some people have more than 20 responsibilities. Some people have less. You could do this with five responsibilities, two of which were big and three of which were small. The key is those five responsibilities you're talking about have to fill up the 60-hour-a-week box. And by the way, folks, if your box isn't full, you should be begging for more work. Otherwise, you're redundant in some fashion. We could probably assign your work elsewhere. So we've made an assumption that everybody's fully busy, which certainly seems to be true based on how everybody describes their job and their workload today. It's not true, but we're going to assume it in, in this abstract world we're creating. So the bigger balls take more time and you have 20 balls in the box. And further, we're going to say that one small ball times five equals one big ball. So five small balls take the same amount of time as one big ball. Now, guys, that's a stupid abstraction, but it helps us have the discussion about the organization, okay? Further, let's go further and say that in this organization, you could draw an org chart that looks exactly like a series of boxes reporting to other boxes, all with balls in them. And we're going to say that in your organization, it's kind of an abstract one, Every manager has five directs. And further, we're going to say that in this particular example, your boss is a VP. 
She runs a small division. You're a director who works for her and you have four peers. So the five of you report to your boss. You have five directs who are managers. And then they each have five directs who are individual contributors. So the individual contributors in your division are your skips, meaning you have to skip the manager below you to get to them. And you report directly to the VP. And the VP, by by the way, reports the president of the company. Okay. So it's not a huge company, um, but it's not tiny. And again, every manager, no matter where, has five directs. Mike, does that cover all the abstract points? Is that? Yeah, I I think so. Yep. Yeah, the box is inflexible. You've got 20 balls. Five of them are big. 15 of them are small. One space can't be played around with. White space. Yeah, you're going to always have white space. There's nothing you can do. And by the way, guys, if you if you disagree with us on the white space thing, we understand. There is all kinds of guidance out there that says you can save a minute here and a minute there. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. This is our world. We make up the rules. It's our world, our abstraction. (laughs) Yeah. But look, we're okay with you trying to figure out how you can get more white space or, you know, by, but really you can't survive that way very long because again, you're biological and you, you straggle after ripe blackberries. Let me say one other thing before we stress you out here and say, if your job did not change for the next two years and you still had the exact 20 same responsibilities, ask yourself how the picture would look different. No new stresses, no change in priorities, no new sudden things. We've got to work on this new hot project or something. You have the same 20 balls for two years. How would the picture of the box look different in 20 years? And the answer is the box would be the same. You'd still be working 60 hours a week. There'd still be 20 balls in the box, but all of the balls will have shrunk a little bit Because if you're not given anything new to do and you can focus on just these 20 responsibilities, you'll be able to figure out how to shrink those responsibilities down notably. And so maybe you'll save 10% from all the balls. You'll just gotten better. And so now you have what amounts to 10% more room in your box. The balls will all just look smaller in a picture two years from now. What that says is you're always getting better at the tasks you're assigned to. We respect that. Okay. And if you had two years, you could then make room for something new. But of course, we're going to give you something new to do here in just a moment. And you don't have two years to solve the problem. So we, we know that you're always getting better at your job, but it takes longer than you want. And of course, your balls are always being rejuggled and so on based on new priorities and new products and new services and new policies and new software and new hardware and all that kind of stuff. So we just want to be clear. We know that your balls, uh, the, the responsibilities you have, you can shrink the amount of time you spend on them. That's, that's fine. But you don't have enough time. When your boss suddenly says, you're sitting at your desk one day, and now, now the challenge begins, you're coping with your 20 balls, your 20 responsibilities. The CEO just signed a new $8 million account. That means he just gave your VP a new big ball to handle. And so that means your boss is going to give you a new big ball. And so now there's a picture, I'm sure, on the website that says there's a picture of 20 balls plus one more new big ball. And it's orange to make it stand out and say, this one's new. And the point is, is that the CEO got this new client. It's big. He needs to manage that. And he's got to get rid of something he's been doing. He's limited the same. He's living in the same world we're living in. He can't do more than 60 hours. Yeah. And so, right. So he's got to. 
He's going to give it to you. Yeah, he gives something to your boss, and then your boss says, okay, I've got a new big ball for you to do. Sorry, but that's how the world works. This is growth. And by the way, folks, uh, we'll talk more about this in a minute. The answer is not to hire people when you get a new customer. The answer is for all of us to become more productive. Labor is expensive. The answer to all corporate growth is not hiring more people. Uh, your growth and profitability is most closely related to productivity. And productivity means all of us doing more and learning how to do more or learning how to do the most important things. Unless you're comfortable with getting fired every time some, every time you lose a client. Yeah, I mean, okay. exactly. That's, yeah, that's the other side of it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the other side of the coin. You're exactly right, dude. We don't talk about that at conferences. If you're not willing to grow without hiring people, and by growth, we mean productivity. If you believe you get to hire people when we add clients, then you must be willing to get rid of people when we lose clients. That's simple. That's the dark side of this. And no, nobody wants to talk about that. They say, no, no, no. Whenever we get new people, new, new clients, I want to I hire people. But when we lose them, I shouldn't have to hire people. Well, guys, that is a recipe for disaster in the long term. I would recommend you listen to our Race Don't Chase podcast because that's how you win the battle every time during an up market and a down market. Okay, so we've got a new big ball. It's sitting there like an orange cherry on the top of our our already full 60-hour a week, 20 balls in the box situation. Okay, what possible solutions could we create to solve the problem of this orange ball that will not fit in our box? Remember, you can't work more hours. You've got a family at home. You can't just say, well, I was doing 60. Now, clearly, I'll do 68 because this big ball is going to take me eight hours a week. You can't do that. You have to go home and the ball won't fit. Your box is no longer in stasis. If you don't do anything different, you will fail. Either you'll fail at doing by by spending 60 hours a week. You'll fail by not doing the big ball well, or you'll fail because you'll spend more time at work and you'll get divorced and your kids will be unhappy. That's not good. Okay. So what do we do? What are the possible solutions? Well, we're going to walk through the solutions for you. And there are three categories of solutions. Let's admit it. The first one is delegation, but there are actually three delegation solutions, which we'll come back to. The second possible solution is to say, I'm going to reprioritize. And again, we'll come back to that one in a moment. And the third one is what we call the IT solution, which is just say no (laughs) and say, we, you know, we can't, we can't do that. Let's take each one of these and talk about why it works and why it doesn't work. And most of them, don't work. Let's start with the delegation ones. And there are three possible solutions. And I'm going to tell you what the three possible solutions are. You could get to get your box. The easiest answer to get your box back in stasis in this abstract answer is to simply delegate the big orange ball. That's easy, right? You've got something new, you give it to one of your directs, and now your box is in stasis again. This, by the way, is a very bad idea. The next solution that is also mathematically correct is get rid of one of your, and and the pictures on the website, they're gray. We have 20 gray balls in our orange box. And then the new, the new orange ball, the 21st sitting on top, again, like a cherry. The second possible delegation is to delegate one of the big gray balls. The big orange ball is the same size as all the big gray balls. You spend the same amount of time on all of them, roughly, based on your analysis. And if you got rid of one of the big gray balls and gave it to one of your five directs, then the orange ball would fit where that big gray ball was before, and you'd be golden. This also is a very bad idea. And then the third answer 
is to delegate five small balls. Remember, five small balls equals the size of one big ball. And then your box would look different. You would have gotten rid of five small balls and you would have replaced it with one big ball. And now, instead of having 15 small balls, you only have 10 because you've gotten rid of five of them and you would have six big balls. And so now you only have 16 balls in your box. You're still spending the same amount of time at work, but now you're working on six big things and 10 small things. And don't tell me that this is a very bad idea. No, that's the good idea. Oh, that's the good idea. Okay, we finally got one. Okay, good. Yeah, we got that. That's the answer. Okay, and I want to tell you why it's the answer here by proving the other two are really bad ideas. And then we'll talk about the reprioritization. Actually, we'll wait to talk about the reprioritization until the very end. And once we debunk the two bad delegation ideas, then we'll talk about the the really bad IT solutions, of which there are two. Okay. All right. So the first answer is, can we delegate the big orange ball, right? Let's just give it to one of our directs. And the answer is, oh my gosh, no. Now at the conference, we would ask people why. And people are like, well, I, you know, I don't know. Cause it's, cause your boss really thinks it's important. No, that's not, not, not true at, at all. And in fact, many of the balls you're juggling now came from your boss over time or organizational changes and so on. I, most people don't realize this. At any given level of a corporation, if you stay at that level for 20, 25 years, you'll discover that the tasks that person, that level job does increase in complexity over time because more and more of us are becoming knowledge workers. And and so therefore, any level is doing more and more complex stuff. Even frontline workers are doing more complex stuff than they were doing 20, 30, 50, 60, 80 years ago. It's the nature of work. It's the nature of humankind. All right, so can we delegate the big orange ball? And the answer is no. And for now, by the way, we're only going to address the orangeness of it, the newness of it. You cannot delegate something to one of your directs that's brand new to you that you've never done before. Has nothing to do with the size at this point. It just has to do with the fact that it's new. And here's the reason why, guys. If it's new to you and you've never done it, What kind of resource would you be to one of your directs who clearly, surely hasn't done it as well? What would you do when you delegated that big orange ball and he or she, one of your directs, comes to you with questions? You've never done it. You can't be a resource. So what are you going to do? You're going to do one of two things. You're going to go ask your boss, hey, I got a question about this thing you assigned me, all the while hoping he she doesn't notice that you're not the one doing it. You're asking the question for your direct, which is inherently inefficient. Or you could send your direct directly to your boss and say, go talk to my boss because I've never done it before. I can't be a resource to you, but she can. I mean, that's dumbness personified right there, I think. You wouldn't (laughs) do that. The reason you can't delegate something brand new is because you can't be a resource to your directs. The fact that it just came from your boss and it's important to him or her is not the reason. The reason is because it just came and you're not ready to be a resource. You have to learn about it. In the model we've got, you need to turn it from orange to gray. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you going to do when your direct comes to you and asks for help? What do you do? Say, I don't know. Uh, talk to my boss. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just not going to work. Right. Okay. So we can't delegate the big orange ball. Now we can't delegate the big gray ball, but we'll prove that by telling you the answer. Of course, we've already said that, which is delegating the five small balls. Now, Here's what I want you to do, folks. If you're at the website, uh, or even if you're not, I want you to picture the original box with 20 gray balls, five big, 15 small. And then I want you to picture below it 
the box with 21 balls with the orange ball sitting on top. Okay. And picture them right above and below each other, right? So the box with the orange ball with 21 balls in it, the one that's out of stasis is below the box with 20 balls. So folks, you've got a picture of those two boxes. The orange ball on top of the bottom box represents you delegating a small gray ball to your directs. And you see yourself, wait a minute, that's not right. And we say, actually, yes, it is. Folks, when you delegate a small gray ball to one of your directs, it becomes a big orange ball to them. The point is, it's not just new, but balls increase in size in the amount of time it will take someone when they fall down the organization because it used to be big to you and you learned how to whittle it down into something smaller and more reasonable that you can handle. But we pay you more as a manager or as a director than we do your managers because you're more capable. You're more competent. When you delegate something small, it becomes big to one of your directs because it's new to them and they have to learn it and they've never done it before. The point here is, by definition, hopefully you can see what that means. The reason we have to delegate five small balls, one to each of our directs, is because that gives them a big ball that is going to be hard for them to handle initially. And it also means we can't delegate one of our big gray balls because what would happen to a big gray ball if we made it bigger and delegated it to one of our directs? Because every ball grows in size when we send it down a level. What would happen? It would crush them. It would be five times the size. It would take up 40 hours of their week. They couldn't do it. If it takes you eight hours a week, I'm just using that as an example, then it takes them 40 hours a week because it grows enormously, because it's new to them. We've got to learn to make room for the big balls that our boss gives us. And I know you didn't. You said to yourself, wait a minute, I thought he delegated us a big ball. No, our boss didn't delegate us a big ball. He delegated us a small ball, but it became big to us as it does to your directs. Therefore, that's why in our abstract analogy, we have five directs and we're going to delegate one small ball to each of our five directs. And that will, they will now all be dealing with one big ball each or five big balls, which were small to us, of course. And now our box is in stasis again. As I mentioned before, we now have 16 balls in our box because we went from 21 and got rid of five and six of them are big. 10 of them are small. Five of the big balls are gray and one of them is orange. And gradually that orange will turn to gray as we get used to it. And that is the answer. So by definition, we didn't say it earlier, but delegating that big orange ball to one of your directs that's brand new from your boss is not just a bad idea because it's orange and you can't be a resource, but also because it would also, just like the big gray balls you have, become ginormous to them and it would crush them and you can't do that. Okay. So now we're at a point we've gotten the answer, but then we, you know, I know there are people out there who are like, but wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it a different way. And we, we would like now politely to shoot down all the other answers that we put up as straw men. So the next answer would be the reprioritization one. Again, we're going to leave that one for just a moment. We're going to come back to that one right at the very end after Mike tells me this won't work, by the way. <laughs> and we're going to say, 
let's take the IT answers. And there are two possible IT solutions. Now, guys, I'm kidding a little bit, but those of you who listen to our cast uh, over the years know that we've talked about this before. In fact, in the last year or so in a cast. But for the IT solution, there are two possible answers. And some of you know that the one division of large organizations today, I want to do one more caveat. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself here. The caveat I want to make is, guys, we know we have a lot of listeners who are technical and technological, and in no way do we mean to be disrespectful for what we're saying is calling this the IT solution. We love you guys, okay? We know that you're trying hard to be better managers and better leaders, and we want to help you. And we, we're trying to point out a fundamental flaw in many, many technology managers' thinking. And the first, and the first thinking is, I'm just going to say no. I'm going to resist. I'm going to say, we can't do it. We call this a career-limiting move, okay? Because you're the only division, well, almost the only one, but you're the biggest one that seems to think you can get away with saying no. Guys, you can't say no, because if that's the case, then your boss can't delegate to you, and you're the only one that gets to say no, and that messes up the ability of the organization to grow. As much as IT feels like it can be a leader in, in, in so many new technologies, and it can, it can be a huge competitive advantage. We need IT at the table all the time, which, by the way, we didn't have 50 years ago when IT first started making a difference in, in large organizations that could afford significant IT spends and, and, and really use the power of technology to save time and money of people. There's all kinds of great things technology can do, but unfortunately, one of the things IT is, is part of the organization. And when the organization adds somebody new, adds a new responsibility, and there's a cascade, what we call the cascade of delegation, when IT is the only division that says no, when engineering says, we'll figure it out, and sales says, we, we can do that, and operations says, yeah, and we'll figure it out. But then IT says, no, everybody hates IT. And, and it's frustrating, and it's too bad, and we don't want that to happen. So guys, if you're used to saying no, if you're used to the first response saying, we can't do that, and by the way, your no comes from a very honorable place years ago when IT was mechanically managed as nothing more than man hours. And there's a great book called The Mythical Man Month, everybody ought to read, that proves it's a bad idea. If you're the person saying no, we get frustrated with you. This is why, as I've said before in other casts, CIOs don't become CEOs because they become the CI no, where people just say, no, you know, the, the technology, no, we can't do that. We're, the pattern is full. I'm sorry, ghostwriter, the pattern is full. You can't do what you want to do. And it's hurting technical people's careers. If you're an IT manager and you're thinking of saying no, our advice to you is please don't say yes and then figure it out. And yes, it's going to make your job harder. We know that. It's making everybody else's job harder when they get a big orange ball too. And yes, you might say, well, quality is going to be affected. And if garbage in, garbage out. And yeah, we know. And we want you to figure out how to get more work out of your guys. That's what you're supposed to do as a manager. It's not mechanistic. You're not just supposed to do math on the number of hours people can work. Okay? So don't say no. And we've done a cast about not saying no, but saying, yes, let me ask you some questions. And then please, by the way, don't send us an 80-page deck that says, please fill out this requirements document. Okay. That's not how you get ahead in an organization. That's not how you come across as a leader of an organization. Okay. That's the first thing. No doesn't work. Well, you might get away with it. People say, okay, fine. You don't have to do it, but I'll find somebody else to do it. Or let me outsource your group. Cause I know if I have a contract with people, they want more of my business. I'm going to figure out how to give them more of it. And that means 
pushing them on productivity because they measure that stuff. The next solution that we jokingly call the IT solution is, well, if I can't say no, then it's fine. I just want more people. Again, not a good answer. We want to increase productivity, not increase labor costs. If every time the company grows, you have to hire more people, if that's your first response, in the long run, you're not going to be as productive as other companies who say, let's figure out how to do more with the same amount of people we have. Let's become more productive because productivity leads to, prof- leads to profitability. Okay. So again, bad answer to ask for more people. Is there a point, to those of you who have this question in your head, I'm sure of it, is there a point where you get to hire more people? Yes. And my short answer is, you're not there yet. <laughs> Guys, I know some of you are listening actually are there, but 80% of you think you're there and only 5% actually are in my experience. Okay. Did I say that too hard, Mike? Is that, is it, I mean. No, I think you're, I think you're right. I think a, okay. a lot of people think they're there and they're not. And that doesn't change the fact that some people are there, but if you're listening and you think you're there, you're probably not. Yeah, and exactly. I was in IT. I know. I know how you feel. And a lot of you are wrong. Sorry. Yeah, and and dude, you and I have been wrong about this kind of stuff before too, right? We have. You get something new assigned and you're like, I need more people. And then you realize, no, I'm not supposed to ever say that. The first level of smartness is, oh, wait, I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm going to say it in my inside voice. Then I go, oh, God, I guess this means I have to figure out a new way to do things. Okay, so we just shot down politely. Sorry, guys, (laughs) I'm, I'm on your side. Honest, we're doing this. This cast is free. We're trying to help. But this is also manager tools, and we're going to be direct about things. We don't want you to make dumb mistakes that you don't know are dumb and that other people are going to laugh at and say, there they go again, being IT, pissing everybody off. We don't want you to do that. Okay? Somebody's got to call a spade a spade. Somebody's got to say, this is why we do it this way. Okay? There's a right way, and this is it. Okay. We shot that one down. The only answer that we haven't shot down yet, Mike, is the issue of, reprioritization. In other words, you as a director setting aside five small balls, analyzing your 21 and saying, these five small balls are not important. I'm going to set them aside. And that way I don't have to delegate to my guys. I protect them. They protect their guys. The delegation cascade stops at me, if you will. Now we've already sown the seeds for why this is also a really bad idea, but I want to come back to it because I know Mike's going to argue with me. Now, What do you always say at the conference, Mike, when I say the solution is to delegate five small balls? I think you say the math doesn't work. Yeah, the math doesn't work. I'm in high C. I can do math. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It it doesn't work. And this is easy. You made it really simple. It's like five directs for every manager. So I can figure out how many people in a 200 person, you know, how many people in a five level organization. The point is here, like, this is what I usually say to you. Let's just imagine your boss gave you something to do, right? So- they get a big ball. They give you each of their five directions, one of them, a small ball. That small ball turns into a big, big ball. And yeah, right. what are you going to do? Well, you're going to take five of your small balls and you're going to delegate it to your directs. Yep. Right. Right. To my who, my directs who are managers, right? Because I, I work for the VP. I'm That's a director. Right. I, yeah, right. Okay, right. good. So, so, so your managers get it. So they go, okay, no problem. They each big have five ball. directs. And so right. they get a big ball. They get rid of five of their small balls to make room and each of their directs. And they're on stasis now. We get a big ball, right? And now they're individual contributors. And the they're individual my managers, right? And here's where right. it doesn't work because they got nowhere to go, right? They've got nowhere to go. They got a big ball. They got twenty one. They, they right. take their yeah. five small balls and they go to delegate. And guess what? They have nobody. They can't 
do it. Their box is full and there's nowhere to go. That's why it won't work. Yeah. And I know everybody listening agrees with me. Yeah, they totally do. You're just so rational and reasonable. Yeah, exactly. And wrong, but okay. And it's, wrong. Cool. it's so it's so rational and so reasonable. I'm kidding. I love you, man. You're my my best friend, my partner. I love you, man. I love this. Okay. I do this stuff for free. Oh, wait, we do. Yeah, you're right. In principle, you're right. And in my opinion, that thinking coupled with the statement that everybody makes, that everybody's busy, is why delegation is a big part of why delegation has fallen out of favor and why so many managers think their job is just to do more themselves. And it's wrong. The manager doesn't want to overburn their directs. They know their directs are busy. They know the, the directs box yeah, is full. They're and they care about their folks and they don't want to, to overburden them. Okay. Yeah. And they're right to feel that way. But effectiveness is not just about how you feel. The, here's the problem. The statement of busyness, because everybody's box is full. And frankly, the reason everybody's box is full is because they know it needs to be to be protected from layoffs. The reason people say they're busy is because of Parkinson's law. Work expands to fill the time they've got to do it. And if you give somebody 20 things or 10 things, they'll fill up the week and they'll do stuff that's ineffective or inefficient. But here's the thing. They're going to say they're busy. By definition, if everybody's busy, the CEO ought not to be going and getting new customers. And that's where the top of the pyramid and the bottom of the pyramid have two fundamentally different viewpoints. The CEO, by definition, wants new customers. And by the way, folks, new customers is not the only solution. It could be we're going to embark on a big strategic change or we're going to, we're going to change the way we do reporting across the organization or we're going to add a new division or something or we're going to reorg or something like that. It could be any kind of new change that causes the delegation cascade to occur. But based on your defense, which I think is reasonable, the fact that everybody at the bottom of every organization I ever worked at would describe themselves as busy would then eliminate the ability for the organization at the top to take in anything new, right? Because if the individual contributors are busy and their managers are busy and I'm busy, I should be able to tell my boss I'm busy and the VP should tell her boss I'm busy. And then this, the CEO goes, well, we can't do anymore. The only way we can grow is to hire people, which of course is always is almost always a bad idea. It's It should be the last idea. So here's how to square that circle. The answer is when you delegate to your directs, and I'm going to go over it at a very high level. I'm not going to go over it in detail. Your individual contributors, two levels down from you as a director, so your manager's directs, would delegate their five small balls to the floor. They would simply stop doing the least important five things. Now, we have a couple other casts that talk about this. Um, we actually have a cast called the Delegating to the Floor cast. And what we say, and we, we've extended it actually, I think, recently. But the important thing here is they have to choose what not to do. And the short answer is you come up with a list of the 21 things that I've now given you a 21st thing to do. So take your 21, rank order them, and tell me which ones you're not going to do. And you make a, you, you look at the data, you do the analysis, you make a recommendation to me. And then if I'm the manager, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the frontline manager now, not my old role as director. If I'm your manager, I'm going to pick which five things you don't do. In the abstraction, it would be five things, of course. And I'm going to be the one that's responsible for that decision. And you're not going to do them. And if anybody comes to you and asks you, why aren't you doing that? You send them to me. You can't expect your directs, to be clear, to make the decision because they won't. They'll hide it. They'll continue working on stuff. And we have a cast for that. 
you've got to make the decision yourself so that people don't feel at risk. And they have to learn how to make these kind of decisions by looking at the data, by doing the analysis and making a recommendation. And once they've made the recommendation four or five times and it's always right, then you can say, okay, you're good at data and analysis and recommendations. Now it's time for you to start making decisions and incur some risk. But until then, you take the risk. And you know what? People just don't complain. People don't come back to them and say, oh, I really need you to be working on that thing. They don't. No. Nope. People forget. Surprisingly, they, I mean, yeah. Yeah. The day before they got the new thing, everything they were working on was important. It was important to them because it was part of their job and their identity. Once they set them aside, the weird thing about this, and in a way, the sad thing, but organizationally, the beautiful thing is that the things that they clung to yesterday as part of their job, today they're going to set aside and no one's going to miss them. And if they do miss them, probably you can figure out a solution. And guys, I've been teaching this for 20 years, and the two times, there's only been two times that people actually said, a manager said to me, now it may have happened more, but it only communicated to me twice out of training tens of thousands of managers, maybe hundreds of thousands, that the direct said, oh, somebody came and complained that I wasn't doing something, and I sent them to you, and the manager said to the other guy, oh, we're not doing that anymore. And in one case, the guy said, oh, okay, I guess I'll figure it out. And then in the other case, it had been a while. It had been six months. And the director said, you know, I've gotten good at everything else. I think I can pick that ball back up. I can fit it back in. And I can now do, right? I can now do not 16, but 17 things. That's what happened twice in 20 years. So you delegate to the floor. That's the answer. Okay, now, now we come back and now we ask, what about that reprioritization example? We've got to address it. What about the director who says, well, I'll stop the delegation cascade. I'm going to put these five small balls aside. The reason that's a bad idea, think about that you're not doing five small balls at the director level, as opposed to a number of people a level down from you not doing their five small balls. You're protecting the small balls at the lowest level of the company by not doing five small balls, two levels up from that at the director level. Guys, ask yourself, those five small balls you're not doing as a director, how big would they be if we delegated them down two levels? They would be gigantic. What you're saying is if you're not going to do some stuff that you've been working on, that you're responsible for, and by the way, we're not talking about stuff at the back of your desk that you never get to anyway, the file folders that, you, that have dust on them, that you say you're going to get too soon, but you never do. No, we're talking about stuff you actually work on. The stuff you actually work on is so much more important than the stuff two levels down in your organization. You can't afford to not do those in order to protect the five small balls, two levels down of those 25 people who would be working for the five directs that you have. We never stop doing stuff at our level because we'd rather have people a level or two down stop doing stuff at their level, all things being equal. Because when a ball goes down one level, it gets bigger. And when it goes down another level, it would be gigantic. It would be the surface of the sun. And we would rather stop doing things at the lowest level, the smallest responsibilities at the lowest level of the organization. Those are the tasks that are most losable, most destroyable, least valuable. We always want to work on things that deliver the most value all things being equal. And yeah, this is an abstraction, but this is how it works. Yeah. This is how companies grow. This is how it happens. Yeah. And, and if you fail to delegate, you're stopping your organization from growing. 
I can't imagine exactly. any manager thinking that's a good thing. Yeah, it really is. And here's the problem. Managers are individual contributors first. They learn how to handle their ball. They're, they're juggling their balls, right? All their responsibilities. And then they become a manager. And they think that they really got promoted because they're an original contributor. And so they do everything and they handle every responsibility and so on. And they don't learn how to delegate. And the people beneath them start to atrophy because everybody else is being delegated to and pushed and growing and so on. And yeah, it's stressful, but then you get used to it. It's the nature of organizations to be constantly stressed. That's a good organization. Good organizations are constantly growing and growth is stress. It was painful at the time, but this is how I learned the lesson. I, I had this happen. My boss gave me a big ball. I mean, literally two-thirds of my organization got put on something else. And I had to get the same amount of work done with one-third the size of the organization. Yeah, how's yeah. that? How's that for stress? And so part of this, not the only thing I did, but part of this, I, I started looking for things that people were doing that we ought to be doing. And I found a team of five people producing reports every single week, every single day. They've been doing it for years. And I found out that years. nobody in the entire organization read those reports. Completely meaningless work. There, wow. There's an opportunity, right? Yeah. You know, what's, what's the likelihood of those folks telling me, like, proactively, hey, you know, hey, Mike, um, you know, this, this yeah. job I have that pays my bills and supports my family, you know, I'm smart. You know, nobody's reading it. I, I think you just ought to get rid of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, they won't say get rid of me. Let's not even go that far. I think we ought to stop doing this report. Well, the reason they won't say that, even though that makes sense, is because that puts them at risk. There you go. They know that the conclusion is, I'm at risk, so I won't say it. And guys, look, let's be fair to those people. Would you do that either? You might say, well, they should because it's right for the organization. No, right. Hogwash. No. Hogwash. do it. No, I wouldn't they do wouldn't it. do it. No, no. no, folks, to be clear, I didn't fire them. I just moved them on to other more highly valuable tasks. So, Yeah, exactly. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week for part two of Delegation. So long.